Are you launching a product soon, but you're not quite sure if Kickstarter is the right model for you, or if you'd rather take things into your own hands on your Shopify website? But even taking this a little further, what if you actually wanted to crowdfund your product on your own website? This is the Launch and Scale podcast, the home of some of the best e-commerce advice on the internet today. Whether you're launching your first product or scaling your existing storefront, We include conversations from industry experts, best practices, and practical tips to help you run a profitable e-commerce brand online today. I'm your host, Kirsten, and my mission is to create 100 seven-figure brands by 2027. If you're going to be one of them, be sure to subscribe and not miss another episode. By the way, for more resources and information on how to work with us, go to launchandscale.co. Remember, that's .co, not .com. Apart from that, let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back. In this episode, we have Kurt Elster of the, not only the host of the unofficial Shopify podcast, he's also a 10-year Shopify veteran, but he is the founder of the Crowdfunder Shopify app, which is an app that enables you to actually run a crowdfunding campaign straight on your Shopify store. We have so much to get into today. I'm actually really pumped for some of the gold that's gonna come out of this. So be sure to stick around and grab your notebook and let's get into it. So Kurt, I'm so happy and excited to have you here. Sure, Uh, I'm Kurt Elster. I've worked in e-commerce my entire adult life. And I started with uh, selling t-shirts on eBay in college for beer money and moved into, uh, it was a, a channel manager selling auto parts on eBay. And yeah. pretty soon I, not knowing what I didn't know, I said, I am going to build my own e-commerce platform. Guess what? That's really hard. Didn't work yeah. out. But it did get me into an e-commerce agency, which very, within a couple of years, we had discovered Shopify. And once we said, why are we doing anything else? Why don't we niche down and just do Shopify exclusively? Yeah. That's when my career really took off. And along the way, it started a podcast to go along with that. The, the podcasting is near and dear to my heart as a content mm-hmm. marketing channel. And uh, had a client who said, hey, we've had success with, with crowdfunding campaigns, but can't we just do this on our own site? Like, mm-hmm. is it even possible? And so we, we thought maybe and uh, built it as a proof of concept. And then when it worked really well, we said, wait, I wonder if we could package this as an app, like with convenient theme settings, so just you know, anybody yeah. could do it. Um, and that, that became the Crowdfunder app. It's so interesting because when I think crowdfunding, and th- just for me, like when I chose to kind of pivot away from Kickstarter, we still do Kickstarter campaigns, but it may not be the right fit for a lot of brands or startup companies. And it hadn't even occurred to me until someone asked me like, why can't like that same question, like why can't I just crowdfund on my own website? And that's going to really be the first question I want to dig into, which is like, if there are crowdfunding platforms available, why would somebody want to crowdfund on their own website when they are responsible for a hundred percent of the traffic? Well, I think the, the advantage is in the question. You, it's on your own website, so you end up owning the entire process, right? If yeah. I am on a someone else's marketplace, you know, like Kickstarter, which at this point I think of it as a marketplace. Anytime that I'm, I'm giving up a percentage to gain access to someone else's audience, and that's the advantage there. Yeah. Uh, 
then I'm also playing in their sandbox. I have to play by their rules. And so whatever those requirements are, I have to follow that. Plus, yeah. then give up the percentage to uh, to the platform yeah. versus if I'm running it, if I already have my own website, I have my own brand, and I have that audience, well, why can't I just do things myself in the way that my customers are probably already comfortable with if they've purchased already? Yeah, because if there's always a education element that brands kind of miss with Kickstarter, where when they go to Kickstarter for the first time, you're now training your audience to go to Kickstarter and shop with Kickstarter for that product, as opposed to just staying on the website and shopping where they're already used to. And there's an education element where a lot of people, no matter how big Kickstarter is right now, um, a lot of people have never purchased anything on Kickstarter or sorry, pre-ordered anything on Kickstarter, and they don't even know what it is or how to use it because Kickstarter is adamant that they're not an e-commerce platform. So there's this whole element of trust that if you're an existing brand, your customers already like, know, and trust you. They're used to shopping on your website. So why not just keep that there versus be like, hey, we're just going to do this other thing you may or may not have heard of before. Yeah, no, I, I think you nailed it. Um, so what about using crowdfunder or just crowdfunding on your own website when it's your first product and you have no audience and you're really just getting started. Oh, you know, that's when I would think hard about what you want to do. And it really, it comes down to like, if you have a restricted good that you can't sell on a, uh, on a marketplace, you know, like stuff with CBD, you know, that's oh, the kind of thing where it's like, well, restricted good. Now you got an issue. And so there you definitely want to be able to run it on your own site. But if you're going to go that route, you really have to think about, hey, how are we going to build this audience? And I don't know the answer to that. Like that is always yeah. the hard part is how do I go from zero to 100 fans? Yeah. If that is part of that larger plan and you know how you're going to do that, great, go for it. Um the advantage there is like from day one, you will have the audience and they will be on that journey with you, right? It's mm -hmm. more than just crowdfunding. I think the thing that people miss and get tripped up on is it's audience building, crowdsourcing, where you need to really include them in the product development as much as you can. And yeah. then now we're going to ask them for money, right? Once they mm -hmm. are invested and interested and are de have developed somewhat of a relationship with you, Okay, now you can go out there and and request their money for you know whatever product you're you're trying to crowdfund, and it's because like developing a product's expensive, right? If yeah. I want to go get, uh, I want to make something plastic, or it needs to be injection molded. Well, getting molds made, I, mean, I you could spend ten to thirty thousand dollars just on the molds for injection molding. Oh my gosh, I know. And then maybe you made that product, and those molds are wrong. Oh, that's another like twenty grand you're going to shell out, right? It so the the advantage and the necessity there is big, but if you're that customer, like who wants to be the first one buying from an unknown brand on, for an unknown thing, you know, on an unknown platform? That's what you really, you understand when you picture it that way, you're asking for a lot from a stranger. And yeah. so you need to go through, you know, a months long process of developing the audience, surveying them, talking to them, working with them, sharing transparently everything you're doing yeah. and that helps them understand why you need to crowdfund. Like if you're out there sharing like, okay, you said you wanted X, Y, and Z features. We heard you, you know, and you took like poll after poll. 
And yeah. then, all right, we source that. We figure out how to do it. Here's what it's going to cost. And when you're transparent about that and you go, hey, like, this is what it's going to cost. And so, you know, it's going to be 50 grand to develop this and we need to raise 25 and then we'll put in another 25. So we have skin in the game, too. Mm-hmm. That's, now it's very attractive to them. And yeah. yeah, there's other there's just a whole like audience, audience building, trust building, hype building. There's so much more that has to occur for probably like a year straight before you get into yeah. the actual, hey, give me money for my crowdfunding project. Yeah. Completely. And so when it comes to the process of actually launching and doing that crowdfunding campaign on your website, I know like Kickstarter has their standard 30 to 60 days that you can run the campaign and you set a goal to raise X amount of dollars. So in that, in that case study you just shared where if you need $50,000 for like molds, prototyping, etc., you set your goal for say 25 or 50, that's how much you need to raise in order to realize your project. So when it comes to just launching a pre-order campaign on a website that's not crowdfunding, um, you're not sharing those sales numbers publicly. People are just kind of blindly pre-ordering and that's kind of it. There's no goal. It's like open-ended. Whereas with crowdfunder on your own Shopify site, there is that goal. There's people are bought in. Um, I'm curious if there's a time limit or what sort of settings your and customization your app lets people have around like the timelines and, and that sort of thing for their campaign. So as far as the the settings that the app enables, you for timeline, you set whatever you want. If you want it to end a minute from now, it'll probably do it. If you want yeah. it to end a year from now, it'll let you do it. That's cool. But what we've discovered is 30 to 60 days, that's actually the right answer, right? Crowd, uh, Kickstarter has that requirement either because they know that's what works, so they're going to protect you from yourself and force you into that time frame, yeah. or we've had Kickstarter telling us that Kickstarter campaigns should be 30 to 60 days long for so many years that we just, that's, yeah. that is what we accept as, like, that's how it should work. But it kind of doesn't matter, because 30 to 60 days, that's the right answer. Yeah. Um, the What's nice about the, the app that we've found people do is while the campaign's running, you can extend it, you could shorten it, like you, you mm-hmm. can change those goals, the the timeline, the goal, um, as you wish. And so like, oh, you're almost there and we're like a day off, you know, we're gonna extend it, tell your friends, like that's an option now that you right. have because you're you're managing it yourself. Yeah. Um, does your app do updates or is that more up to their email CRM to do that? No, I did it it is a feature that people have asked for because like yeah. that is talking to the audience a hundred percent is a part of running the campaign. Yeah. However, if you are already running your crowdfunding campaign with Crowdfunder and then you're emailing me to ask how you should send your updates, I mean the hard truth is you're probably not gonna be successful. Cause if you don't have a process in place for communicating to your audience and you haven't been doing that for months to a year already that's just kind of it how why do you expect them these stranger total strangers that you haven't spoken to to show up and give you money for something you may or may not produce yeah and if you don't make it they have to trust you to refund them like it's just that's a it's too big an ask it is too big an ask and all the risk seems to be on the customer end up until you get funded and then actually go produce a product at that point right um, so how do you 
we've had some client accounts get like PayPal accounts get paused during pre-order campaigns and payment gate just because like sometimes brands don't deliver just in general sometimes things are delayed other times customers think like oh, I haven't heard from this company for a while so I'm going to you know claim this as a fraudulent payment so it ends up bringing their like whatever score that's called down and so how do you guys have any problems just running crowdfunder on websites with payment gateways on a pre-order model or so i would i personally use and enjoy paypal however i would not use it for yes. running a large pre-order campaign because yes. we've all heard the horror stories you know paypal locked my account paypal froze my funds mm -hmm. um and you need that cash to be able to develop the product to deliver it to the customers. And they're saying like, well, we don't know about this. We're going to hang I on to this. I need that money. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas it, a majority, of, just because it's on Shopify, a majority of people running those campaigns use Shopify payments, um, yeah. just like a regular credit card processor. And as a result, I've not, we've not seen issues with that. Um, the really, the requirements are, be transparent upfront, which if you're yeah. doing things right, this should not be an issue. But it, as long as you make it abundantly clear, this is a pre-order. If it doesn't get funded, this is what happens. You could choose to go forward with it yeah. uh, or you could choose to refund. You know, that's your choice. Uh, and if you've got make it clear, like it's a, it's a pre-order, it's a it's a pre-order, it's a crowdfunding campaign. Here's what happens if it doesn't get funded. And here is the estimated ship date. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to include that. And you could give a range, a window and make it clear like this is an estimate and here's the risks and here's why. As long as you're upfront transparent every, about everything, no problem. It's when yeah. you try and hide things from people that things get suspicious and you know, the payment process are rightfully going to look at that with a, a side eye and then freeze your funds. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think that um, a lot of creators learn the hard or merchants, whatever, um, learn the hard way if they're not great at communication. Like, I remember there was one company we worked with, like, way in the beginning, 2016 or whatever. And it was, like, it was a company of engineers that didn't, I mean, maybe they just didn't know how to communicate properly at this point. Now they do. Um, and they sent an update that one of the parts they needed for this product was super delayed and the update they sent was not hey really sorry delayed here's the the next steps and here's some good news to like try to gain some trust instead they're just like hey this part is delayed we don't know when we're getting it and it was like end of update and he and then his whole team goes like dark for three months and suddenly i literally had the press like the uk press calling me to be like hey would you like to comment on the scam that was your client running away with this money i was like Ooh. what's happening they're in china manufacture oh my god so anyway 48 hours of like hunting this guy down i was like hey so by the way this thing is happening you need to communicate with your backers here is how to properly do that because like what ends up happening especially today on social media it's not that doesn't just happen with kickstarter campaigns it's like your own website if if people feel that you are not communicating or being transparent or not being so like super super proactive with communication um that is a great way to ruin your brand before you even have a chance to get started so everything you're saying with updates is like you know people heed that warning you need to over communicate <laughs> Over communicate. Yeah, Over. I think is the, the key word here. Yeah, 
but it's like, oh yeah, these things happen. And it, you don't want to learn a hard lesson like this through experience. So, um, speaking of transparency, one of the things that I really find attractive about using crowdfunder on a Shopify site is the transparency with how much money you need to raise. So there's like a conversation around the goal and why you have that like 25,000 you need to raise, but there's also transparency in how close you are to that goal um, versus an open pre-order campaign with no goal and customers just kind of give money with an expected shipping date. I would love to kind of dig into some of the pros and cons between going something that's like a, a public raise amount versus just kind of a private pre-launch thing. So what are, I mean, I know you're biased because crowdfunder, but um, what are some things that people should consider when they are looking at doing a public raise like this with crowdfunder versus just a regular pre-order? You know, there's a few factors. I think it kind of, it depends on, I mean, the, the short answer is it depends, but it depends yeah. on, on product, on audience, on your experience. You know, if I'm saying, hey, I'm going to do this run of T-shirts and stickers that are going to benefit charity, let's make it open-ended, right? Like no one is questioning whether or not True. you could get T-shirts and stickers fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're manufacturing a brand new product for a first time, that is different, right? And there's like all these these fixed costs to it. And when you upfront can tell people like this is yeah this is exactly what it's going to cost and this is our minimum order quantity like really that is kind of what kickstarter is born out of just the idea yeah. that manufacturers have minimum order quantities and these things are expensive yeah. um the where was i going with that oh my gosh like when to use which um, yeah so t-shirts charity open-ended versus set project-based goal with manufacturing makes more sense to have a goal like that yeah because i've got you know we've got this big cash outlay to pay for a minimum order quantity and you know this is a a new thing and a gamble and you're just being vulnerable and authentic you're saying look this is why we're doing it this way versus just like unlimited pre-order um and you could do they i think the other option in there is in between the two where you say hey this is a pre-order but it's limited edition we're only going up to X number of units with it being, and then that the idea there I think is like, hey, can we we introduce scarcity to it versus, you know, with crowdfunding campaign, you're saying, hey, here's social proof, right? Because you can see other people have ordered this. This is how many people have ordered it and introducing urgency and that you're saying like, generally you're going to be giving some kind of discount for people to take some of this risk. And so- for that initial run, you're like, all right, this is the cheapest this is ever going to be if yeah. you'll you'll back it now and you only have X number of days to do that in. Uh, or like, oh, we're, you know, we're at 98% and, you know, we've got 48 hours left and so there's, go, go, go. there's that urgency in there. So like one adds urgency and social proof and some transparency. Another, you know, that crowdfunding method kind of open-ended unlimited ceiling though as well. Um, yeah. I like that limited edition approach for like, hey, let's introduce scarcity and move the stuff uh, or just, you know, the simple straightforward, like just or order what you want. And then in a week, we'll send it to the printer. Yeah, exactly. 
I really like what you said about social proof and built in, it's like a built in sales tool if you know how to use that properly. Because what we see with pre-order campaigns usually is we'll go live with them when we're about two months away from fulfilling. And in the beginning, we're gonna see a huge spike in the first three weeks. So we just finished a launch in the first month, we did like 20K um, with that. But people had a reason to buy. They, we did like, you know, a discount for the first couple weeks, whatever, whatever, and then, once we get into like four or five weeks out of launch, there's now no reason or reason for people to buy. So you're gonna get this wave of people that really buy in the beginning and buy at the end. But when you have something like a crowdfunding campaign using Crowdfunder, that sales window is shortened. So you have people who have these timeframes that they do need to purchase in between, either because they get to, you know, quantity based or et cetera, et cetera. There's just like, it's a better sales tool at that point versus open-ended. Um, if you know how to use that, I think that's a really, really great point. So moving on, um, I would love to know, and I know the answer to this, but uh, this is for the backers out there. Does Crowdfunder do anything to screen projects to reduce fraud that happens on a Shopify site? No, and that is a issue. However, what we have done, um, so Shopify has their acceptable use policy. The mm -hmm. payment processor also uh, does some vetting with the merchants. So like those two do vetting with the merchants and then it's not been an issue, but during COVID we did see some sites that we said, Hey, that they would install crowdfunder. And like, we see a log of them and m many of them do get checked. We, we take a look at it. Or obviously if you make a support request, we see it. Of course. And when we do see the site and it looks sketchy, we'll flag it with Shopify mm -hmm. and we'll say, Hey, just thought you should take a look at this. And then, it's not been an issue recently, but certainly like during like 2020, um, we saw we saw some things like with people raising money supposedly for like PPE and where I'm like, there's some red flags here and we'd flag it with Shopify mm -hmm. and uh, a few, uh, a few they I don't know what the review process was, but some of them they would shut down. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is really good because um, we've had it. We've seen this definitely around 2020. 2021 where you have the viral kickstarter campaign happening and then right away a like some company is going to steal the assets and set up another website and pretend to be that product and drive traffic to it um and essentially piggyback off the success even though they're it is literally fraud and so um it's good to know that like, what can you do at that point except just be on top of it and look out for any any suspicious activity or people reporting it at that point. So, but it's gotta be careful. So this has been great. I love to ask if there is anything else I should have asked you today that I haven't. Uh, well, I think the thing that we've witnessed make or break successful versus unfunded campaigns is really, is, is that relationship with the customer? Like how well do you understand them? 
Um, And how well have you communicated the story of what you're doing and why? Like Mm -hmm. to make them care. They don't have to care. It is your job to engage with that customer and then and make them care. It's a hype cycle. Yeah. And so the like the unsuccessful campaigns we see is like you log in a store and they're like running 10 campaigns for just like random things and they're like you guys we gotta get 10 of these then we'll ship them like what what is going where there's there's no narrative there's like Mm -hmm. no rhyme or reason that's the stuff where i'm like all right you're just throwing stuff against the wall we're doomed here versus the ones that have that very that well hey do you have a video and in the video do you tell us like what you're doing like where did i want the story where did this idea come from why you're doing this Get, use quotes from customers that oh my gosh you so see that good. yeah and that immediately adds so much legitimacy to it because yeah. i know you actually spoke to your customers yeah. um and then you know like break like all right so we looked at what they said and then you know we developed this product and then we talked to manufacturers and now we know like these are the costs this is you know per unit cost this is what this is going to take here's the hard part about manufacturing it and this is you know we're going to give you um and so that's, you know, how we came up with the amount that we're raising. Um, the other trick I see people do is set an intentionally low amount. And this is for an established brand that's like done this yeah. a few times. Set a, a lower amount, then share it as like a preview with only people who've backed previous campaigns and say, mm-hmm. hey, you get sneak preview, early bird access. And because those are the people who are most likely to buy. Yeah. And then, then after they've had a chance to buy, then you announce it to the broader list so that when those people, which includes a lot of like first time customers who've never bought yet, yeah. they show up and they see, oh, you know, it's already like almost funded. Ah, that's, you know, that's very exciting because yeah. unless the person has bought before, they don't necessarily want to be the one to take the risk. Yeah. You never want to be the first person to buy something or to comment. So, um, that is one thing actually I forgot to ask you is when, when someone hits their funding goal with crowdfunder, can you get overfunded or does the funding stop? Uh, we make that an option. So you can, you can let it keep going. You can have the campaign end. Um, or you could choose, or you could choose what happens like when the timer runs out at that point, it's like, it has to be funded and time ends or, and then what it does, uh, you tell us, Hey, what's, what's the CSS class of your add to cart button? And mm-hmm. it, then it just, it hides it. Awesome. Very, very cool. All right, guys, we're going to put links to everything below. If you do want to check out crowdfunder for yourself, for your Shopify website, um, Kurt, this has been great. So if people want to learn more about you crowdfunder, et cetera, where's a good place to send them? Oh, sure. Uh, head to Google me, Kurt Elster, head to kurtelster.com. That's got, my newsletter, and you'll find there's a link right there to, to Crowdfunder um, and all our, our other fantastic resources to help you hopefully run successful pre-order campaigns. Love it. I was wondering when that was going to come in. <laughs> gotta, you got to work the cha-ching in appropriately. You do. I need to get me one of those boards, but I think I'd go a little trigger crazy. Um, Look, we all do. Things, it's right? a phase. You know, Eventually you learn when to use the soundboard as opposed to like just abusing it. Plus, if you get the yeah. fancy ones, you can really, like, mess with people and do the voice changer, you know, have all kinds of good stuff. Which is great. You're actually, I have interviewed hundreds of entrepreneurs at this point, and you are the first one to bring out the sound effects. So <laughs> thank you. That's yeah, probably for the best. So good. Probably. But, like, I listen to your mom's house, and they do the sound effects so well. I don't know if you listen to that podcast. 
vibe. I love the name. Oh, it's the best. If you're into like, like two comedians, um, two comedians, that's the word, run it. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's a huge show. So definitely check it out. But outside of that, let's stay on point. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, guys, if you do have any questions for Kurt or you just want to say thank you, be sure to give this video a big thumbs up uh, and leave a comment below. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe on your mobile device. And for more resources and information on how you can launch and scale your e-commerce business online, be sure to go to launchandscale.co. And we've also got a ton of free actionable content available on TikTok and YouTube. Just be sure to go to either platform, search for Kirsten, my name, K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Apart from that, we'll see you in the next episode.